This week on the Homeboys Podcast, we are talking about social media and how it's making real estate investors dumb. Yeah, it's making them make terrible decisions with the amount of debt they're taking on real estate investments. They're making terrible decisions on the volume and the speed at which they grow their portfolios. And we're going to talk about why this terrible advice sells. Stay tuned. You're kicking it with the Homeboys. Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys Podcast. Welcome, we have a very exciting show for you today. We are talking about social media and its influence on real estate investors and how we actually think it's making people dumber. This is based off of a clip that we have seen here recently that we saw, and it's in um, our show description. Please feel free to click on it, but it's where a psychologist is interviewed on the Uh, influence that social media has on all of the viewers. So anyhow, my name is Clint Weatherill. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, I'm here with my partner, Mr. Scott Adams. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, how this psychologist really feels that uh, it's making people dumber, making people make dumber decisions. Social media, that is, and we're gonna talk about how that applies in real estate, especially in terms of the uh, growing influence of over leveraging your properties, of trying to buy too many properties too fast, and then we're gonna talk about why this these stupid ideas are spreading like wildfire and why that sells. Gosh, that was like an Emmy-winning type description you just gave there. Hey, this is good info. It's easy to go over because, I mean, it's something you and I are passionate about. And I'm also really dumb. So it hits home. It hits home for me a little bit. Hey, we're all followers in different ways. So, you know, the, the problem with a lot of this is that when you hear something over and over and over and you don't know a lot about that topic, it seems true. When you hear it from multiple people, especially people with large influences, saying the same information over and over and over, if you don't know that that information really well, if you're not a, a specialist in that field, then why wouldn't you believe it to be true? And that's what we're seeing. And specifically with debt when it comes to purchasing real estate, specifically over leveraging, borrowing way too much has become a, a catch all with real estate. It's the way to get rich. I think it's I think it's kind of interesting for you and I because I think our listeners know by now that we're just a couple of old fuddy duddies, you know, on here. Um, but um, you know, we we've become we've had we have a bigger presence on social media, and you know because of that, I've I've gotten into um, following some some of the the gurus just out of knowledge, just wanting to to see what else is out there, and. It's blowing my mind what I'm seeing out there. I mean, it's it's just it's crazy to me this wave that is going on out there, and it and, and it scares me. You know, I think that uh, you know people you know think that we're we're fear mongers sometimes, but it's really because I'm, I'm worried about the audience that this is that this is getting to, and. There's just there is going to be a massive wave, a massive correction that's going to happen, and the next this the next correction is going to be really bad for people because I feel like people are are more over leveraged now than I've ever seen in my career, and it's scary because you see all these people, these you know charismatic people saying you know if you have equity in your house you're an idiot or 
you know, if you have a 401k, you're stupid. It should be invested and it should be more and more and more and more. And I just don't get it. Like, I don't know. Like, what? how can people actually believe this? I mean, I will say this. If I can say anything about you and I, I feel like for most of our lives, we've been leaders and not followers. And you know what? I'm proud of that. And, you know, I feel like I take everything and, and, and analyze it. I just don't get how there's such a camp out there that follows this stupid ass advice. That's just, it just blows my mind. And I get angry about it because I know how easy it can be to, to financial security as you and I have both done, but people want this fast route that's going to end up, you know, really bad for them. It's, it's hard to sit on the sidelines and watch. I don't, I don't have a problem with the people who follow it and won't believe it because they don't know. I have a problem with these, these idiots out there spouting this, this aggressive borrowing off to it, people who are going to end up putting their life savings at complete risk, not understanding how risky it is. You know, that's what I have a problem with. I have Do the you problem. think that they actually believe it? I don't do think, think they, they care. Do you think they practiced it? No, they definitely haven't practiced it. We, we they're, know just, that. they're just selling it. Yeah, well, you and I, we're, we're very uh, lucky. We've been in this industry for a long time. We speak all over the nation. We talk to many of these big influencers. We know many of them on a personal basis. We travel with them. We know them all um, at different levels. And so we know how they operate. And one thing they almost all have in common even the good ones, not just the ones that are spouting bad stuff, but even the good ones, they don't practice what they preach nearly as much as folks like you and me. That's a good point. They don't. They, point. they make their money on, on referrals, and they make their money on uh, you know speaking circuits education. and books and selling education. So they're not in the same business that they're actually selling, which that's understandable. I've got no problem with that part. A lot of them do bring in experts like us to help educate them, and then they go out and they use our info and do it, and that's great. That's fine. And then they have guests like us on with them, and it, 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 that's the market that they're in. They're in a selling market. So, no, they do not practice what they preach. And if they did practice what they preach, they wouldn't practice the aggressive way because their financial advisors wouldn't let them. Mm -hmm. They have people around them, attorneys, financial advisors, who would tell them how dumb it is to do what they're preaching for you to go do. It doesn't work. Here's the thing. It works only when the market is flat or going up. The market does not do that. The market goes up and down. It's cyclical. It has ups and downs. If you're even a conservative, these people out there are saying leverage it all, right? They're saying get 100% financing. Let's say you even did just 90% financing, which for them, that would be conservative. For us, that's insanity. But if the market pulls back 15%, which it has done in our lifetime multiple, multiple times, mm -hmm. and you have a tenant lose its job, and they can't pay their rent, and you've lost your job because the whole economy, when, when it drops 15%, jobs are lost. Your savings goes down if you're invested in the stock market. You're hit across the board. Hit across the board. I across think that's, the board. I think that's good. That's really good to hammer home. You can't survive that. Right. You can't survive a 15% drop, which is going to happen. It's and going to it happen. Drops, Sticking a for sale sign in the yard to stop the bleeding is not an option. Because you owe more than you, you could sell it for. You have to bring money to the table. 
This is what happens. So what's so wrong with having some equity in your property? Even 20. We think you should do more than that, but that's fine. Minimum of 20% equity in your property. You can survive almost all of the downturns except for catastrophic ones. So if I'm one of these gurus, I'm saying, Mr. Adams, gosh, you're so stupid. (laughs) 20% down. You know, why would you do that? Because I could turn my uh, one investment into four. You know, you Great. you idiot. Yeah. So now Why you're going to you not want four right. and just take one. That's not sexy. One sucks. Four is mm-hmm. good. Why don't you tell the folks at home what happens when you have four properties you're over leveraged on during a downturn? It ends a lot quicker. It ends a lot quicker. Yeah. It is. You are in the fast lane. I say it all the time to living under a bridge and watching your ex-wife drive by with her new boyfriend while you're holding a sign. You know, I invested in real estate like a moron. But we've seen it a bunch, like within the walls of our own business, um, particularly young, younger investors that, you know, come in with, you know, 10, 15, 20 homes um, and have been on four property managers or, you know, been, been, you know, dancing around with these homes that are, you know, very average. Um, And, you know, that's what they're doing, you know, you you have a lot of homes like this, and you know the market. You know who knows the market could be solid for the next two years. You know it could be solid for the next two months. We, you know nobody right. nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody thought that uh, you know two thousand eight was going to be the the collapse that you know that it was. Um, except I guess a few people. You see the big short. I mean, I guess right. there's a few people that, that you know that, that they got it. Yeah, but, let me pause but, you there for a pro tip. Mm-hmm. A pro tip is no matter how smart you are, you can't time the markets. You won't know. That's a pro tip. So you have to invest with with that realization that you're never going to time the markets perfectly. Mm-hmm. Another pro tip is what we just covered, which is never finance um, more than eighty percent. Always leave a minimum of twenty percent equity in your property. But there again, you know, people aren't going to want to hear that, Mister Adams, I know, because it's boring. Because one, it builds uh, wealth mm-hmm. instead of riches that can come and go. Riches come and go. And you look rich. Wealth is generational. The type of money that you and I have been able to amass and the type of assets that we've built over a very conservative, slow-moving career, it's unbelievable compared to what we could have gotten. And don't get me wrong. we I started off specifically, me more than you, going after those riches and over-leveraging, and it didn't work. I survived it, luckily. I got out. However, I was quick to come to you, come around. Oh, I mean, you did that, that whole cycle that you just talked about before you were 25. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you had a, you had a lot of investing <laughs> years, you know, ahead of you. I right. was just starting to, to get my way, you know, at, at 25 and, right. but, um, but you know, I always did everything, everything really slow. People don't think that, you know, 20% down and then, taking the time to make sure that that asset is stabilized because, you know, if you need rehab, sometimes it takes it a little while to kind of even out because deferred maintenance is always more in the first year. You know, there's some unforeseens that could happen, you know, early on that, uh, you know, getting that stabilized and then going to your second one, you know, it's, it's just not sexy, but. um, So quality over volume and, and going slow basically to summarize what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I guess like if, if, if you are one of those people that have to have 
the most expensive car on the market or you have to have, you know, the, you know, a, a jet or something like that, then, you know, our way is probably not, is not for you. That's true. You know, you have to, if, if you're wanting that, you are going to have to time the market. You are going to have to go big and hope that there, you have a lot of luck on your side and maybe you can get to that. Me quite personally, you know, I, I don't, I don't care about any of that crap. That's not how I live my life. Well, that's not uh, who we're talking to. If, if that's mm-hmm. kind of your goals, you're what, I hope you keep watching so that we can change your mind, first of all. But that isn't who we are speaking to. We're right. speaking to people who want to build wealth and have financial freedom. And if they want to sit on the beach from age 45 on and you're, you're young now and watching, easy to do. If you're, it is easy to do. If you're 45 now and you want to retire without worrying about penny pinching and your Social Security and your small 401k, you can still do it if you do it now. Correct. You can have this financial freedom. It doesn't take a long time. But we're not talking to the people who are looking for quick riches that can come and go. Correct. We're looking for stable wealth building. Correct. You know, I, I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very proud of our investment style. You know, I, I waited till, till late in life to really start my family. You know, I'm in my mid-40s, and I have a three- and five-year-old. Um, but you know their their college is already set aside, their weddings are already set aside. They they um, have their first properties that they already they already own, own properties. Um, you know, and and it's not that difficult to do. It's 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 slow and steady wins the race. But on the internet today, social media, whether it be TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, the way that I've done it, the way that you've done it is just. I guess it's not sexy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm in the I'm in the top one percent. You're in the top one percent, um, and I think that I think that's relatively easy to get to if you follow some of these boring, you know, real estate techniques that that that, that we preach. But um, but anyhow, I think it's really important to 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 talk to our audience and talk to as many people that are watching this stuff on social media that it's dangerous. I mean, it's 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 pretty scary. Very dangerous. It's it's going to cause an entire generation to lose a lot of real estate again, um, possibly worse than the 2008. Um, now, 2008 was – every market is different. 2008, many people owned too many houses, were, were over-leveraged in the sense that they weren't qualified to own those. Now, it's very similar in a sense, but the the – the numbers, the amount they're borrowing per house, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing how much they're borrowing per house. So people might not think it's as bad as it was in 2008. In many aspects, we see it as worse, what we're seeing happen. Correct. You know, they, they were over-borrowing. They would pay, you know, they'd have 60000 borrowed on a house worth fifty. That same house today, we're, that same house, and that was them upside down before the bubble burst. Mm-hmm. That same house today, we're seeing. What did we see today? Three fifty, four hundred thousand. I mean, you don't come back from that. We just left my office. We were looking um, at a retail flip that we did. That um, meaning that you know we we bought low, we fixed up, we're putting it on the open market. So we were we were comping some houses and <laughs> you know, blown away. By what what some of these prices you know what some of these prices yeah. are houses you know that uh, 
mean, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have paid fifty percent, you know, of what they're listed at today. You know, no. uh, fifteen years ago. No, and people people are borrowing that amount at they're borrowing as much as they can. So ninety percent of that, you know, purchase price they're borrowing hundred percent. So, you know, again, debt volume. If you keep it below eighty percent, your your debt, um, your loan to value. Keep it below 80%, you should be able to weather some storms. You know, volume. If you, as Clint said, you buy a place, you stabilize it, you start looking for your next one. And this whole time, you can't be trying to just time the market. Just focus on really good cash flowing assets, right? Like you always say, good properties in good areas. You're going to be fine. You can build a great portfolio that'll take you where you want to be, you know? So why does this stuff sell? That's that's the other question of today. Well, we touched it a little bit, um, you know, touched on it a little bit earlier. I mean, it's it's sexy, you know. Um, what's what is, uh, you know, you own one house versus owning four houses. You know, I mean, you know, if you're if you know, so much of what uh, people want is perception. They want, you know, I talk about smoke and mirrors a lot. People, you know, want the perception of being rich, and you know, it's easy for someone to say, "Oh, I own four rental houses," and feel you know, high right. and mighty, as opposed to saying, I own, I own one, you know, like we said, you know, if there's a pullback, you know, in the market, which there will be at some point, um, you know, you've got one strategically positioned house versus four homes that you're upside down on wondering how you're going to make your mortgage payments and, you know, half of your tenants have left. Um, you know, so I think it's literally, it's just, it's just that sex appeal that, you know, people say, you know, don't save money, you know, spend, leverage, right. you know, everything, more, more. I mean, there was a, we did a more on real estate episode, um, you know, where some guy on there said it's not about um, the quality of deals. It's about the quantity, you know. I mean, so literally, you know, buy, you know, 500 turds with fleas, versus, you know, 10 solid investments. It's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm never going to wrap my, my brain around that way of thinking. It's just, it's baloney. And you know what we, um, I think there's a, there's a core problem out there. I think part of the core problem is the fact that people who believe in investing like you and I do a lot of conservative people who are extremely wealthy and successful. And we hang out with a lot of them. We know them across the nation, but we know a lot of them locally mm -hmm. and, None of them are going to get on TikTok or YouTube with their Ferraris, and they all have them, and do these, these hey, you know, invest conservatively. Just buy one house, stabilize it. It's a, something about the flashy people that are getting out there in front of everyone on social media, whereas the people who do it right and build real wealth, they don't like talking about it. You and I don't naturally like talking about our success. I think people would be shocked at how much real estate you and I own and how little debt we have on it. I think it would blow people's minds because we don't act like it and we don't talk about it. I think they would be shocked by how many cars we have and properties. And I mean, they would be shocked by all of that stuff because we aren't the guys out there showing it all. Well, and so that's know, part of the problem. It me. is. I mean, the level of douchebaggery with some of these gurus, yeah. it blows, it blows my mind. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard for it's hard for me to to watch it sometimes. It, Maybe it you should go full douchebag, and then people will watch our conservative message more. Yeah, and I can remain the same. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you. Do you have a four hundred one k? You're stupid. Do you have <laughs> yeah. an IRA? Lose it. 
equity in your house, you're a dumbass. You know, it's, they're literally uh, telling people they're stupid if they have a 401k. <laughs> Honest, it's yeah. everywhere, man. There's a there's a guy that you know I follow, and he's been on a uh, a couple more on real estate you know episodes where I mean his pitch is, do you have a 401k? Or no, do you have fifty thousand dollars in a four hundred one k or IRA, or do you have fifty thousand dollars in home equity, you know, in your home? That's literally his pitch, is for people to pull their money out of their four hundred one k, IRA, and drain any equity that they have, so they can listen to my private event this Saturday, two p.m. You know, my five wealth building tips that are going to propel you into the stratosphere. Oh, you know, but it's and I'm not. A, I'm not really exaggerating. You watch this guy. You know, he's got, you know, 2 million followers or something crazy like that. Literally telling everybody to drain their savings and don't buy one, buy 10 yeah. or, you know, I don't know if the guy's getting referral fees on each of them or how much money of their 401k or Roth IRA or the equity of their home makes it into his pocket. I assure you, it's something. Some of that money is getting into his pocket somehow. Oh, for or sure. Or he wouldn't be having this private event where I'm going to show you my five wealth-building strategies that is going to get me my next Bentley. Um, but, you know, people love that crap, man. So it's, my neighbor, uh, my neighbor's a professor, and I told you this a little bit about it. He is... 65, I think, mm -hmm. and he wants to retire, and he realizes that he's not there. So what he did is, I told you this, he ca he got a HELOC, home equity loan, on his property, cashed it out to a, I think it's above 100% because he happened to get a really high appraisal, appraisal, and he put it in the stock market. He cashed out his house. So his loan, I think he said, was like 4%. He was nice enough to break this down for me, and I had a hard time not like telling him how dumb he is. Mm -hmm. I told him I was worried about him for doing it, but 4% he borrowed at, okay? So he's paying 4% interest. So he already has to beat 4% in the market before he even breaks even. Right. right. In the stock market. Which, I love this, by the way. Which is doable. Yes. It's doable. Right. So at 5%, if he's earning 5%, then he's only making 1%, but he's going to pay capital gains on that. So he's already out... More like 5%. Mm -hmm. So you're already at zero, even if he gets 5%. Correct. Okay, this, the S&P historically, I think it's between 8 and 10, who you look. So, yeah, if you timed it perfect and you just wrote out the S&P, yeah, you could beat that pretty easily. But he bought into the S&P to the stock market right now at a time that it's probably pretty high. Well, let me get you know put the chicken little scenario, you know, on, you know, for that, that – you know, we we went into we went into a, a worldwide pandemic, and you know the stock market you know went from what twenty four to sixteen something you know you know like that you know right away, um, and now it's blown through all of that and it's up you know up at, up to thirty four. I know it's retracted, you know a little bit. That I mean, we've seen a giant run. In two years, mm -hmm. you know what goes what goes up must come down in the stock yeah. market. It's not going to be an elevator ride forever. Yeah. It's not going to be. It can't be. Um, what happens if so he like, has you know, to? He's doing that at this time. Right. What happens if he has know, to sell when it's during a downtime because he's ready to retire? He's correct. screwed. Well, then he can't sell his sell his house. He can't sell his house because he's over leveraged and he's upside down on it now. Right. His investments aren't worth. You Half know, what he? What's the correct. point of those? I mean, that scenario. I mean, you could. He's having you to sell those really investments in bad shape fast, quick. Mm -hmm. So he went from having a lot of equity in his property to chasing returns of best case 
5%. on the money he borrowed, best case, and he risked everything for it. Well, I mean, if you're talking about just, you know, historical, you know, averages and just call it S&P 10%, you know, he's paying 4% on his money, then the difference between 4 and 10 is 6, but then you like capital you, said, gains. you have to pay capital gains and, on that. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, best I mean, best case. Best case you know. 5% and he's risked it all. And he listened to this popular opinion out there right now that you should be maximizing your returns on everything. You're risking so much to do that. If things don't go up 100% of the time and you have a, a hiccup in your life, it's over. Now you it's talk over. about the razor's edge quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what this is. I mean, you're truly, you know, on the razor's edge. If there's a hiccup in the market, I mean, you could lose everything. Everything. Yeah. You know, your house, you know, you'd be foreclosed on. Yeah. And then you could, you know, you know how difficult it is to overcome a foreclosure, you know, on your record? That just doesn't go away overnight. Right. I mean, you could lose everything. Is it worth that? Like, what's almost scarier, too, is you and I have a lot of bank meetings um, on, on a lot of our commercial projects. And, and we got a bunch this week. Yeah. A bunch mm-hmm. of bank meetings. And whenever I'm talking to bankers, I always bring this up, as you know. I just try to feel them out and see where they're feeling on it. All of them are on the side of these overfinance people. They don't see a problem coming. And that scares the crap out of me, too, Mm -hmm. is that the banks aren't scared of this. They're not seeing it. I understand that the banks are needing to lend a higher LTV in order to get young folks into homes because homes are, are... pricier than they've ever been, and for first-time home buyers, But they're not scared of that at all. But why is that with the banks? I don't know that I really know. I mean, is it because, you know, all the SBA money that, you know, that's been injected into our economy that they're getting paid on it? So, I mean, they want to lend as much as they can. I mean, you know, I know that they were getting referral fees on all the PPP money a few years ago. I mean, is, yeah. is all that a factor? All of you it know, is. I don't claim to be a banking expert, you know, because right. quite frankly – for someone that owns as much real estate as you and I, we don't have to have it as much as a lot of people. But right, um, I, I there's a lot of factors. Obviously, I that is one of them. They're flush. The bank uh, right now can still borrow for almost free from you know the Fed. I mean, they can get unlimited money and loan it to you at four percent and make a little spread right. there. So, I also think that the banks were built on the average Joe being able to borrow and the average Joe being able to borrow can only do that through two ways. It's their house or a car. Mm-hmm. And so banks are traditionally pretty aggressive with banking, with uh, houses and with your own home and cars. Right. They're not as scared as they should be in my opinion uh, on that. And also it's become the way of life. When my grandfather was ready to buy a house, he had saved for like 15 years when he was ready to buy a car. You and I talked about mm-hmm. this. He would go to the car dealership with the money he had saved for 15 years to buy the new car. He didn't go there and get the loan and then pay for the car. Right. Everyone's mentality has changed. They've forgotten the idea that you can save up money and then go buy the thing you want. That's beyond people's comprehension. Right. It would blow their mind to think that you and I pay cash for our personal houses when we move our family. It would blow their mind. They wouldn't They'd say, what? Why would you do that? Well, they, I mean, they, they quantify that by saying there's good debt and bad debt. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe there's a, there's some truth, some truth to that, but I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty moronic 
to say that people that have 401ks, IRAs, and equity in their homes are stupid. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I'm never going to get on that. So break it down for me, man. Yeah. So break it down. All right, everybody, settle down. Quit over leveraging. You don't got to borrow every penny you can to get ahead. This can be done slow. I know it feels like it will take a while, but I promise you it won't. What happens is it's exponential. It's like that old saying about a chess, uh, a chess board. If you put one grain of rice on the first one, two on the next, four, and you exponential, before the end of that, that chess board, you'll have more grains of rice than there are stars in the sky. So you can get there. It, it, it grows. It snowballs faster than you realize. So if you start slow and you build a good foundation of good houses without too much debt, you can survive the storms and it will continue to snowball. But just go slow. You're not trying to over leverage with as much debt as you can. Keep it under 80%. Volume, don't worry about volume. Worry about getting each property stabilized and then work on your goal to get to that next one. Take your time. You'll get the volume if you just take your time and follow those conservative simple steps. And quit listening to these dumbasses out there, these douchebags with their fancy cars and their fancy voices and their fancy conferences telling you to do this or that and leverage it all. Because guess what? They're not doing that. They're not doing it. That's a very good point. Well, that is our show for this week. We really thank you for joining us. Do you want to be rich or do you want to look rich? Ask yourself that question. Till next time, we're the homeboys. Happy investing.